I'm your host, Danny McGrath. Now, today we've got a very special guest. I've got Mr. Nash Hoover with us uh, from across the pond. Nash is the host of Chasing Legends, and he travels across the globe researching and investigating the world's cryptid and paranormal legends, uh, exploring history and culture of the surrounding locations, as well as interviewing eyewitnesses and experts. And I think the show has a really, really original take on the paranormal and the cryptozoological scene. Nash, welcome to the show. Great to see you here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Andy. Well, Nash, I think one of the questions I ask everybody, and it's a, it's, it's a staid and, and standard question, but it's very important, is it's what got you started. Now, um, I almost said you are a young man, which shows my age suddenly. It's embarrassing to say something like that. But you're younger than most of the people involved actively in cryptozoological research, I would imagine. So what got you started? What was the starting point? And when did you decide to make this a serious thing that you were going to pursue? So I am 24 years old. Okay. Almost, I'll be 25 in July. Um, really, what got me started is I think I started this probably early 2000s. Um, elementary school, really. Um, uh -huh. I just kind of started like hearing about like the Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot and UFOs and stuff and I just I started kind of you know it just it caught my interest and my so I would you know I would check out you know as many books as I could at my uh, elementary school library and it got to the point where I was you know we're checking out so many on the topic that my school librarian anytime they got new ones in she would set them aside so I was the first one to get you know to to read them Awesome librarian. Yeah. And then um, from there, it just kind of like little things over the years, you know, I started learning about, you know, Bermuda Triangle and, you know, just kind of more in depth with other, you know, other cryptids, um, more of just learning more about like, you know, the different Bigfoot legends around the world and then more about like Loch Ness and stuff. And then uh, with shows like Monster Quest and Destination Truth, I really was, you know, able to get more of a, a broader, you know, outlook on you know what else is out there and then um it was towards the end of high school and after i got even after like i graduated high school i um that's kind of when i decided to you know combine my two passions of filmmaking and the cryptozoology and kind of you know that's kind of where this show came from and it just was more of documenting my uh my 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 personal research and uh um realizing that I was done reading about other people's field work and then I wanted to get out there and start doing it myself and and uh, see what I could find and that's kind of where it all came from. 
Well, I really like the format so far of the show, and um, you know, and watching it, being able to watch it on YouTube and things like so like that as well, because that's yeah, I think a lot of networks don't realize uh, that uh, sort of the regular media networks don't realize that that's where all of the media is going these days. That's where all of the original media is, and uh, that's the place to be if you want to start a new show and start something really good. I, I like the format. I like the style, the interaction between the the hosts as well. Now, I, we got in contact with each other. We got in contact with me when you were researching Big Cats. You were thinking yep. of coming to the UK. And you know, I was really excited about this kind of trip. But actually, you ended up going to Ireland and investigating some things there. So tell me about Ireland. What was your experience of the Irish people? I, you probably um, were from my surname. I've, I've got an a distant Irish background on my father's side. I'm not one of them, however. Uh, they'll tell you that themselves. Uh, but I'm very familiar with their culture, and it's something very dear to me. So what was your experience with the Irish people, and what types of paranormal and cryptic cases did you look at over there? So we decided about a year ago that we wanted to... Um, we wanted to get kind of out, out of our comfort zone a bit, and we wanted to take on a you know a bigger case but not too big that we couldn't handle it but big enough where it was you know it was different than what we've done mm. um my co-creator of the show caitlin keely lives in uh carlo ireland so she had suggested that we come there so we you know we got the money together we you know we booked the trip and we went over there um it was about Six days of uh, pretty much just driving around the country and filming little bits in there. And then um, we were there to investigate uh, reports of the Puka, which it's like a Celtic goblin legend. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ireland's beautiful. I love Ireland. Um, the only problem is most of their uh, cryptids are more on the folkloric yeah. Versus anything that you know has a possibility of living in the real world, mm. um, so that was kind of a uh, so that's kind of where you know where I kind of reached out to you originally was you know it was a a backup if you know we decided to pull the plug uh-huh. and I personally wish we would have had gone to the UK and spent some time with you because that seemed like it was going to be a a pretty cool adventure. Oh no! I mean, I, we surely will at some point in the future as well. Oh, and for sure, yeah. That's that's still the, happening sometime. Oh, you have to. I mean, this this big cat thing is going a bit crazy here at the moment. Actually, there's been so many sightings in, in the last. Some of them uh, more realistic or, or more bona fide than others. You know, there is some sort of selling to the media aspect to it, or some um, misinterpretation of larger domestic cats and of course we have some of the savannah cats here that that are kept as pets as well so that that can be mistaken from time to time too but i think the big cat thing at least i'd call that an out of place animal it's the most likely to be found because we know it's an animal that exists to begin with just Mm -hmm. shouldn't be here um from the Irish perspective, though, what I was interested in over there, I know that you, you mentioned the folkloric aspect, and that's a big difference, I think, between Irish and British culture, as they've maintained this, the um, same as you might experience in First Nations uh, peoples in, in America, they've maintained this um, um, balance between what is real and what is uh, mythical, and they seem to hold it in check in some sort of mid-reality all at once. 
and I think things can be interpreted that way. In Wales, where I grew up, we also have the puka, that's P P W C A puka, but it's the same kind of thing as puck. Puck in Shakespeare yeah. is the same kind of creature, or Will of the Wisp. It's one of those types of things. Um, it's amazing. It must have been based on something in the past. And now, what parts of the country did you did you drive into? Um, how uh, you've obviously got a, a you know a colleague already living in Ireland. How did you cope with the the accent? And um, and what do you think of the food? And I mean, I'm very big on on Irish culture and their, their cuisine. I think it's quite nice. Um, well, obviously, with uh, with with knowing her um, for as long as I have and just talking with her, I was. You know, I was already you know pretty familiar with the accent, um, but yeah, it was. Um, it took some getting used to, um, especially the uh, the driving, because obviously here you know the imperial system and yeah, other side, yeah. Um, it. I mean, we we got used to it. The food was great. The food was excellent. Um, everything was it just. It almost seemed like the air was cleaner and everything. Mm-hmm. Just. I mean, it could just be come me coming from dirty America, but uh, it just seemed like everything was. You know, uh, it was just so was green and yeah, yeah no, exactly. It was just it was so like it was just. I mean, yeah, like it. It obviously it's just a uh, you know, it's a it's a new place. None of us had been to, yeah. so it was, you know, a little bit of culture shock at first. But it was, yeah, it was. I, we really enjoyed it. Everything everything about it we loved, and we actually had beautiful weather. Um, oh wow! I think it rained it rained maybe once the whole time we were there. It's a miracle. Yeah, it was, it was, we had a few sunny days, and yeah, it was. You know, it's 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 a funny place, and um, being from a you know, distantly related to that, but also growing up in another Celtic place in Wales, you know, there is a line of sight which I really relate to uh, them over there, and uh, uh, it always surprised me when I first went there. It was actually end of the summer, but being in a place as ra- growing up in a place as rainy as Wales. It was a real surprise to me to get somewhere that had more rain <laughs> than the yeah. place I'd come from. And I got off at Dublin Airport. It was like sideways rain, howling gales hitting us. And I was like, I've never seen rain like this, which, you know, coming from a Welsh perspective, is, is quite, a, quite a compliment. Now, um, you know, obviously, you've travelled around, you've looked at different things. I was very interested in the, the Lake Pepin monster expedition that you did recently or the, the little visit there so i don't really know anything about the lake pepper monster i know that um america actually has quite a few you know lesser known lake monsters within the the entirety of the country so tell us a little bit about lake pepper yeah i actually uh i wasn't i had no idea about it either uh, until like probably like six months before we actually went out and, sh- and filmed out there um, I was just kind of doing, you know, doing some online research on, on lake creatures in the U.S. and I had seen that, and I was kind of surprised by it. And uh, I looked into it a little bit more, and it, you know, the sightings go back to the 1800s, even before. And it's, I mean, Lake Pepin, it's almost identical in size to Loch Ness. Um, mm. It's 23 miles long and like a little over a mile wide. Okay. The only difference is that Loch Ness is, you know, gets, you know, fairly deep. Mm. Lake Pepin, it's connected to the Mississippi River, so that I think the the deepest points are about 80 or so feet deep. So it's not entirely deep. Um, it's just a, you know, it's a very muddy, dirty lake being connected to the Mississippi. 
Um, but yeah, it's had, you know, its fair share of, you know, your typical, what you'd call it, you know, the Loch Ness looking sightings, mm. the long neck and the, you know, hump and, um, you know, back in the, like when the, uh, the Native Americans in the area, when, you know, they would refuse to go out in their birch bark canoes, they would mm. only go out in their more sturdy, like, you know, hollowed log canoes because they were in fear that, you know, this thing would attack them and you know knock over their boats and wow. so they're you know it's it, it's one of those things where it's like you you know obviously there was something that they were you know seeing that you know they were afraid of but you know was it you know what is being reported who knows mm. that's kind of like that that and, and what about them. um uh sorry to what about modern sightings uh, is there anything in the, the recent decade or are we talking a few decades ago for the most recent sighting? Um, it's, it's pretty far in between. There are, um, we, we will every now and then, like, with, especially like within the last few years since we filmed out there, we will, um, you know, come across new ones. Um, there were fairly recent ones up till, you know, when we were filming out there and we even probably had, uh, we, we saw when we were filming out there something that we couldn't quite explain. Oh, really? Um, and that made it in the episode. Um, and what, I mean, describe the sighting itself. What, what exactly did you think you saw? Was it something like a hump or a disturbance in the water? So when we, when we were out on the lake that day um, doing our investigation, we were, the weather was a bit, uh, the weather wasn't fair. Um, and there weren't really anybody else on the lake. Mm. And we saw a, a pretty considerable wake kind of uh, form uh, going against the current. Um, and we observed it for a little bit and it disappeared. Wow. Uh, so that was, you know, that was kind of the weirdest thing that, you know, who knows what it could have been. It could have just been, you know, you know, a shallower area. It could have been, you know, who knows. But it coincides. It coincided with eyewitness sightings, so that was uh -huh. kind of we had to kind of take it as you yeah, know what absolutely. it was. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I just wonder what type of large fish you may have. Obviously, that I'm sure that was your first line of inquiry. But do they have things like catfish and sturgeon and turtles in the lake? Yeah, we asked. Uh, we asked the guy that the boat captain that took us out, and he said that he, you know, there are um, fairly large sturgeon in the lake. Um, it's the Mississippi, so there are you know considerable sized catfish. Um, he said he's seen his fair share of alligator gars, you know, about six feet in length. And so there's, you know, there's decent sized fish that could be, you know, misidentified yeah. as something else. I know sturgeon, yeah. sturgeon are pretty, uh, look pretty prehistoric. So, and I know that they've been, yeah. uh, in several, in my research and other, you know, lake monster cases, it's, you know, a lot of people say that's probably what it is, is just a, a larger sturgeon that's, yeah, you know, 40 feet long. Distance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I love the sturgeon um, monster imposter uh, excuse. I love it because you know you have to. It, it's a there's a a research riddle once, and he actually uh, has an expression for it. It's the um, my theory sucks the least theory. So basically, it says sure you know thinking there could be a forty foot or twenty to forty foot long sturgeon in a lake in Scotland isn't very likely. But it beats the theory that there's a you know uh, aquatic lizard from the Mesozoic period right. living on for one day, but it doesn't really because it's just as much of a stretch. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's it's an easy theory, but it's not. You know, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't pan really out. Add any merit. 
it doesn't pan out without the alternative. So if you weren't transposing it to the position of Lake Monster and you just told somebody you saw a 40-foot-long sturgeon, they'd never believe you. Unless you thought you saw one in a place where a Lake Monster is said to live, then it becomes plausible. Yeah, right. it's, it's, it always amuses me how that sort of pans out when the alternative is unthinkable. Uh, so it's an interesting thing. I, you know, that whole thing about the Mississippi, too, I'm wondering, and I, I don't know uh, the geography of American rivers very well, but does the Mississippi have a, an outlet to the sea? Yep, the, uh, the Mississippi River starts here in Minnesota and it flows all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico. Okay, so I mean, essentially they could be looking at it's an possible. occasional... Yeah. Um, there are a lot of lock and dams, you know, on the oh. way down, so it would it would have had to have swam up before okay. those were put in. But um, if it was a uh, amphibious, could it possibly take to short those points? Yeah, it and, okay, um, I mean that's one of the Loch Ness monster theories. In one case, anyways, at some point it has to get out, and if it's yeah, rural I've enough seen, uh, and it's dark enough, I've, yeah, I've read some uh, some stories of people claiming to see it on land, and oh wow, okay. And that's a Lake Pepin monster. No, I was um, uh, yes. Oh yes, no. There's, I mean, there's, a, there's a, actually a great book by the same author I was just talking about, Roland Watson, called uh, "When Monsters Come Ashore," which literally just deals with the land sightings of the Loch Ness monster. Mm-hmm. That's right, history, which is, you know, I think there are only six percent of all sightings are land sightings, so it's it's quite rare. Yeah. Now, um, moving on from Lake Pepin. Um, and talking again about the style that you guys have, do you think in um, in media at the moment, with cryptozoology, with um, paranormal investigations, do you think that there's a real need to change the narrative and presentation from this documentary um, reality-type style you know, to something a bit more film-like, a bit more theatrical perhaps, or a bit, how can I put it, a bit, bit more like a movie, like a story, and it gives some people something um, a little more in-depth to watch that involves other forms of multimedia, or do you think it's just a case, it, it we just need to, to to reimagine this reality TV style of, um, of paranormal documentary filmmaking? See, I think in the past when people have tried to make like narrative versions of of cryptid stories, it never uh-huh. works. Uh-huh. It's always so cheesy, overdone. It just it's not well produced. It's you know it's they try to take something that you know you know was scary to one person mm-hmm. sixty years ago and make it scary to everybody watching. Um, me personally, I enjoy the you know the the fast-paced documentary style, you know, where you just, you, we just film mm. and we document everything we're doing and we document all of our research, all the high points, all the low points, the, mm. you know, you know, we just shoot it all together and, and that's how we put it together. I, I, I personally enjoy the, the more kind of the rough documentary style um, of things. I think it's just more interesting. I think there's, it's, it almost it, it it's it puts things into a more perspective of what it's really like to go out and look for these things. You know, sure. it's not. You know, I guess it's not. That. You know, it's not clean. Everything doesn't go perfect. You know, you're, you know, you are in some pretty dirty situations, and you're, you know, you know, tromping through the woods or you know the jungles wherever, and you're 
getting bit by stuff and yeah. it's you know it's not it's not an enjoyable experience no and no. i think it's i think it's good to show that so that way you don't get those people that you know think it is an enjoyable experience i mean it's fun i enjoy it i love sure. doing it it's just it's you know it's it's pretty hellish I, I, I think that's a good point you're making there, actually, is in that, um, f- firstly, in the in the reality documentary style, I suppose, it's, you know, it's just like, um, it's just like music, just because um, you're using a guitar and the other band is using a guitar doesn't mean it's the same music, right? Mm. So I suppose, you know, it's how you present the format and the characters that are involved in it that make the difference. Um, and on top of that, in regards to people wanting to get out there and and just jumping to these really treacherous or, or difficult to navigate areas, it's not easy. And for most of the time, you know, especially with things like lake monster searching, I think in opposition to squatching or whatever people like to call it, um, it's kind of boring a lot of the time. You know, you're going around, if you're collecting data, slowly working your way through and, um, and when you have to put that in a television format, you know, that that's quite difficult because I suppose essentially you need hours upon hours of footage to get your 20 minutes, to get your 30 minutes. Um, and it's, it's, it's always appealed to me as a format, but I, I see the struggle, you know, commercial cryptozoology, um, uh, cryptozoology in the media. It has to be watchable, has to be presentable. And also, you want to be genuine and honest about what you're investigating. So, how do you present what you're? How do you make what you're presenting interesting without over sensationalizing what you're doing? For the cameras is it with with a uh, choice of soundtrack, or do you just try to get those earnest shots and pick the best of the bunch? It's mostly just the you know we. Uh, we just make sure that we get, you know, the proper shots. You know, we, um, I don't like to put music in our stuff where it doesn't belong. Um, you know, I, that's like, that's like one of my pet peeves of like watching other like paranormal series is they, they have to have that underscore while they're investigating. And it's like, you know, did you hear, you know, they hear, you know, they're, 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 you know, they'll be on the episode talking, you know, did you hear that? And they've got this, you know, really kind of scary music where you can't (laughs) hear what's going on. Yeah. So I, I, I hate that. We, you know, we, we put music in where we feel it needs to go, but we don't put music in to create a sensation. We, you know, because if, if we have things happening and we want you to hear it, we want to make sure you can hear it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's for us, it's really just, you know, my myself and my uh, director of photography, uh, Sammy Verdet, um, we just make sure that we um, get everything looking good and how we want it to look. And I, you know, I, I have full faith in him. He, he knows, he knows now that, you know, with, you know, he's done, you know, four or five episodes with us so far and um by now he knows how i want it to look and he mm-hmm. knows how to shoot it to make it look like that and yeah we just make sure that we get everything you know that we need and a little extra like we like i always said like i always tell everybody i says i'd rather have too much footage than not enough so just yeah, shoot yeah. and yeah, no, that's it works. A good <laughs> that's a good philosophy um, also, with your, um, and I was laughing when you mentioned the um, 
the the sound effects that always come into these documentaries uh, exactly on the did you hear hear that point you know and it's it is so frustrating because essentially i always want to say yeah it kind of sounds a bit like creepy keyboard music you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah i heard that who the hell is that you hear playing a creepy keyboard it's um you know it is frustrating but essentially what they're telling the audience is there was nothing there to hear and um, you know that that's a bit disappointing. I know in some of the earlier formats, uh, they used to do that in the Finding Bigfoot program a lot. And I I really love those guys. And I like the program. And I, you know, I'm, I always felt that the guys themselves were quite unhappy with the way that the producers would do that. You know, in certain sections of the program, um, but it became such a feature that as soon as Mad or one of the other guys should say creepy music to sort of come in or to cut the break with the Bigfoot howl and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, that was a bit disappointing. Personally, for me, with the Beast of Britain thing, um, if we ever manage to sell this, you know, it's going okay, but if we, we do manage to sell it, yeah, I would really like to, the, the soundtrack essentially to be bands, to be music, not, not you know, um, not feeling theme tunes, not um, emotional sound, just cool tunes you know to document the journey um and as a semi former that's that's something i think it's is, is missing from it some some kind of stylized uh journey you know just as if you've got a new car and when you guys are going to the the gig to do your, your, your filming you you know you put some tunes on okay so just to, to finish up, really, I've just got one question for you. And you know, coming from your perspective as a as a, a new filmmaker, and and again, you know, without bringing up the subject of your age, which is perfectly adult, but you have a, a few more years ahead of you than some of the rest of us. I'm kind of in the middle. I'm 43, so. Um, you know, a lot of the guys, I felt like the young guy in this genre when I got into it for quite a while. <laughs> and I'm in my 40s. And it's like right now, people like Alexander Petikov, who's like 25, 26, making Lines of the East and on the trailer Champ and yourselves. And quite a few other people um, coming up with this now. It makes me feel that there is a future for cryptozoology in media, you know, and uh, this, this side will keep being presented this more to, to bring forward. So what do you think the future of cryptozoology in the media is? Is it with independent filmmakers or is it with people like you, you know, making a great product and then selling it on to the bigger networks and then taking note of what's happening on YouTube and, and other social media platforms and, and running with it? Well, for us, when we, when we started this, the goal was always to get on network. Um, and then we actually, you know, attempted it and nobody wanted it because, you know, and this is literally quoted from everyone that I pitched it to, networks aren't looking for cryptid shows. Mm -hmm. And my response would be, well, I don't understand why they're not because there's a desire and a demand for it. Mm -hmm. And the usual response was that networks base their what they seek based off of what they know is profitable, not what people actually want. That's right. So what's profitable right now is the ghost shows. 
So had I pitched a ghost show, it I, you know we may have gone somewhere. But since it's something that's you know like this, that's you know a very you know not necessarily a you know a, a more of a niche a niche audience, but it's you know it's a little bit more specific than what, like the ghost stuff. Um, I think that was kind of our problem. So after that, we pretty much just decided that um, we're just going to keep doing everything independent, and it's going to be it's you know it's the harder way but mm -hmm. at least this way we still you know we're retaining that creative control we you know we get to put out what we want to put out and we get to you know we always try to you know i always try to interact with the you know our facebook fans and you know and make stuff that they want you know mm -hmm. i you know we're making this show because we want to make it but i want to i want to make sure that we're putting stuff out that people want to see Mm -hmm. so that's what i always try to do you know and so i think from an independent standpoint it's going to be the way to go because with you know streaming services um you know on the rise and youtube still being a valid platform you know everybody you know everybody has at least one streaming service subscription everybody has access to youtube um you know and with amazon prime you know you able to upload upload your own content as easy it is to youtube and mm -hmm. it's on a wider audience so i think we're just gonna um i think yeah i think the the future of crypto unless unless you know f you know a, a major network realizes oh this is a you know a profitable market mm -hmm. i think the future of crypto is going to continue to be independent and yeah. um you're going to see a lot more of these you know a lot, a lot of people like us that um just kind of come up and make it themselves and um, and just kind of, you know, suck until they get really good stuff and uh, build a good audience. Well, yeah, definitely. And, um, I mean, look at, just look at Small Town Monsters. You know, they're still trending. Um, top 20 for the Under Trail of Bigfoot. Yeah. And that's just, I mean, that's just hard work. That's ground work. Nobody's given that to them. You know, i, I got to give it to people like Seth and the others and the people like yourselves, you're doing it and because small filmmakers who already have the skills to make their own productions it's already there, as you say, the social media platforms are there, Amazon Prime is there and it's just a case of making a good product and, and getting the audience interested in it, which is perhaps the bigger challenge, you know, without advertising budgets and things like that because mm -hmm. then that's a lot of groundwork and I know that from the Beast of Britain side with my book and what I've tried to do there, even for the few thousand followers I've got, that's been actually a lot of groundwork, talking to every single person that comments on the pages, you mm -hmm. know, and which is nice, but it's like a lot of time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's one of the, the things. It's like you've got, if you've got 10,000 followers, you've got 10,000 individual clients that you're conversing with. Uh, on a one-to-one -one basis and from an audience perspective it's nice because they get a piece of you every single person gets a piece of you and not just what they see on screen uh, which is nice but from an individual perspective you know occasionally yeah I will just get my phone and put it on the side and because I have children too and say that's not coming out of that corner today not looking at that phone that's staying there for the rest of the day um, it's just been awesome, really awesome talking to you. I, I did really enjoy looking at your stuff online and just seeing the presentation style and seeing 
the freshness of it, you know, it kind of filled me with, with hope that there's there's more future coming for what, you know, what's going on in cryptozoology. Um, just Thanks. to let people know who's listening, I'd let, let uh, the people know where can they find you, uh, where to subscribe, you know, what's your website address, et cetera, et cetera. So we have, uh, you got to figure out the, the YouTube link's weird. And I didn't uh-huh. kind of had to really get choice. Well, that's okay. I mean, I'll pop the links up with this interview anyway. But if they if they um, if they search "chasing legends" on YouTube, I'm going to guess you're going to you're going to pop up straight away. Um, you should. Um, I mean, you should be able to decipher. It. Oops. Shit. Um, you should be able to decipher it. Um, there was a uh, um, there was a documentary in like made in like 2012 called "Chasing Legends" that's about the Tour de France. And for a while, a lot of when we were first starting out, a lot of people would you know confuse us with that. And even today, I get I get tagged. Um, I get tagged and stuff on Facebook that people meant to tag that other. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, you'll, yeah, I mean, you'll figure it out now. You'll see our episodes and um, you'll uh, you should be able to decipher it. Just yeah, just chasing legends. Um, we're on Instagram and Facebook at Chasing Legends TV. Uh-huh. Um, uh, our website is ChasingLegendsCrew.com, and that uh, our websites, our website, and Facebook page are, are is going to be the places to go in terms of like news and like more behind the scenes stuff because we i always uh-huh. try to keep everything updated um but that yeah that's all of them awesome awesome well i suggest everybody checks it out and and gives it a shot i think it's a great show and i look forward to seeing more episodes thanks for coming on the show yeah it's uh everything's only going to get better it's we're uh, as we're figuring out uh we're figuring things out as we go, and uh, this next one that I'm working on now is going to be uh, something pretty cool. So, awesome stuff, awesome, and hopefully we'll see you here for the big cats in the UK sometime in the yes. future. Yes, we're going to make sure, gonna make um, sure that, that happens. <laughs> yes, it'll be great. I'll, I will definitely. I'll take you around. I'll share the spots, and uh, we'll stay out a few nights. And you know, who knows? Maybe we'll we'll get lucky and and see one. Right. Thanks so much, buddy. Enjoy. Um, enjoy your show tonight you know i will be going to the cinema this this week to see the new marvel film as well um awesome yeah we just, i'm yeah. sure it is great um no spoilers <laughs> no spoilers it's a good movie <laughs> <laughs> that that's at least encouraging and um yeah everybody check it out check out chasing legends on youtube and subscribe hit the bell that's it